8.04 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer today. Hour three of the program, which is going to feature Bob the Moj Marjanovich here in just a moment. Hour three of this program is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. You can do so by visiting on the internet, campbell-pound.com today. Uh, Moj is, yes? So, well, I'm just going to bring up the sad news. Uh, Giselle and Tom Brady have filed for divorce. But oh, they seem so happy. Yeah. Uh, so that's official. That just hit the wire as it was or yeah. were. TMZ's got the story. Of course. Uh, Giselle filed. <laughs> I love how TMZ writes this stuff. Uh, Giselle just filed the docs in Florida Friday morning, and Tom is not contesting the divorce. Man. TMZ broke the story. <laughs> okay. TMZ breaks a lot of stories. They do break a lot of stories, yeah. yeah. I mean, what, I think they were, as we completely get off topic here, I believe they was their biggest. I hate putting it this way, but claim to fame was they were the ones that broke the news that Michael Jackson died. I think. Yeah, that if sounds I right. Correctly, I think that was the first one where it was like TMZ, mm-hmm. and then they realized that it was a uh, it was slowly becoming the new bonafide like newsbreaker. Right? News outlet, Didn't they right? break Kobe too? I feel like I saw it there again. I first. hate putting it in these terms because we're talking about like yeah. people passing, but yes, they were the first sort of mm-hmm. quote unquote on the scene there. Wow. Um, yeah, it's just kind well, of... Well, they had, the, they had the, the Golden State Warriors punch, too. Yeah, that's right. Practice. That's right, yeah. They've really gotten into sports now. I know. They've I got think their that, own... Their that was a concerted subset. effort a few yeah. years ago to, to get into sports. Yep. Uh, at any rate, it has not been a good season for Tom Brady or a good year for Tom Brady. Uh, we're going to go to the phone lines to talk a little Canadian football here in a second. Bob, the Mo- Moj Marjanovic, a presentation of the Clayton Public House. 17 screens, 15 televisions, two big screens to watch all the football you can possibly imagine. Visit them online at theclaytonpub.com. Moj joins us now. What up, Moj? How are you? I was just thinking if you guys ever split, you know, Halford and Brough have like their, you know, business divorce, mm-hmm. it would be reported first on TMZ. Either that or Dollywall. Dollywell Dolly would have it, and he'd have, like, none of the details correct. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I do know, however, that they have divorced. He calls us bruff and rough half the time, so I don't uh, – he's not a details guy, but he would probably have the story first. He'd probably get it quicker than TMZ. Uh, Moj, I don't know if you heard me talking about this game earlier, but I've kind of classified it as it means nothing, but it means everything. Because in terms of the standings – Lions, Bombers are locked and loaded. They know what they're doing in the playoffs. They know where they're going. But this means so much, so much, because not only is Nathan Rourke going to be back and starting and going to play a quarter, but we get to see how he's going to look. And from there, I think it could either be one of those things where it's like, oh, it's not great. He's not ready. They rushed this back. Or, man, he looks really good. And suddenly the Lions aren't just going to be a team hosting a home playoff game in the CFL playoffs. They might be vaunted into being a potential Grey Cup contender. Yeah, I mean, first off, you mentioned that he's going to play a quarter. That uh, apparently was an erroneous report. I talked to Rick oh, about okay. it, and he said he will play in the first quarter. How much he plays is to be determined. Got it. Um, so if he gets pulled, say, midway through the first quarter, there's no reason to panic. It's just more of the plan that the Lions have with Nathan work as they ramp up his activity. But, yeah, I think you're right. And we talked to Nathan extensively yesterday, and I'm going to have a column out for this in Black Press in a couple of hours. But, you know, he even he admitted he's not 100%, yeah. right? And one of the things that he wants to find out going into this game is just where he's at. 
right? So we're going to find out a lot more about Nathan Rourke and where he's at in terms of his physical capabilities in this football game. I mean, all week during practice, I mean, we've seen him drop back. We've kind of seen him run from tackle to tackle. But we haven't seen that situation, you know, where he's under pressure and he's got to make, you know, these real hard cuts where he's got to sprint to the sideline. So I think that's going to be interesting to see how his body and how his foot, or I should say how his foot holds up in those situations. Right. What's If you had to guess or you had to wager, what's going to be the more difficult thing for him to deal with? Is it going to be the accumulation of rust having not played in a game for so long, or is it actually going to be the physical limitations? It's a foot injury, and he's a mobile guy, and he's not at 100%. Talk to him about that. Ask him that very question, and for him, it's physically. Where, is, where he is physically, he says he's fine mentally. It was interesting. Um, during his rehab process, the week of the Ottawa game, he told us that he had a setback. The incision wasn't closing as fast as it should have. And he basically had to stay away from the facility. But he said, you know, one of the things that he really did is even during his time off, he says one of the things he made sure was that he was up to speed on all the game plans against teams that the Lions would possibly play in the playoffs. So obviously Calgary, Winnipeg, whatever the case may be. So that's one thing that he kind of said, he said, you know, I really kind of still was is in tune. I was in tune mentally in terms of what was going on in terms of our game prep and what we're doing. But yeah, so mentally, I don't think it's going to be an issue for him. The biggest issue for him is, you know, where is he physically? Uh, here's a question. How's Vernon Adams been during all of this? He's been fine. Even like when Vernon was quarterbacking, I mean, he said on multiple occasions, this is Nathan's team. I'm just here basically taking care of this offense until Nathan, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I'm just, you know, taking care of this offense until Nathan gets back. So uh, I don't think Vernon has any issues with Nathan Rourke returning. He realizes, you know, how special a player Nathan is. And, uh, you know, the Lions probably are still going to need Vernon Adams at some point. I mean, even though Nathan Rourke is hoping to be 100%, I still think there's a situation where perhaps you can run Vernon Adams in certain packages as well. What kind of risk is Nathan Rourke taking with this injury? It's a great question. Um, you know, if you're if you're to believe what Rick Campbell has said, and he's echoed the sentiments of the doctors and the physiotherapists, they have never done anything that has, how would we put it, um, gone ahead of schedule. I mean, everything they've done, they've had a plan from the onset, and they've kind of stuck to that plan. It hasn't been a situation where, like, oh, he did this, well, let's let's kind of speed things up. They've been very patient in terms of bringing Nathan Rourke back. So in terms of, you know, the risk that he has in this game, well, hell, there's always risk. But I think the Lions are very comfortable in playing him given the fact that they haven't sped up the recovery, so to speak. Yeah, were you skeptical all along that he'd be he'd be back? And, and Mike and I, all, frankly, like we have to admit that we kind of joked when we heard that the Lions, you know, were keeping, you know, they still expect Nathan Rourke to maybe play in the playoffs. We we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Cause just because we all we'd heard about this list Frank injury is that it's one of these injuries that you can't rush back and it takes some time. Yeah, uh, I'm with you guys. And, you know, when the head coach of the football club comes out a couple of days after the surgery and says – we don't plan on having Nathan back. I mean, right then and there, you're kind of like, okay, well, he's preparing for life without Nathan Rourke, and probably the way to go as well. But in all honesty, I mean, I looked at it, and I looked at some of the other players that were injured, the kid down in Carolina, that quarterback. I mean, he's out till April or May. You read about other situations with this injury, and I was very skeptical, skeptical that he would be back. But, you know, if there's one kid that could do it, it's Nathan Rourke, because as I mentioned in my column, he's a preparation junkie. 
right? This is a guy that, you know, he would probably go online and find out exactly what he needed to do and how much, you know, exercise or this or that or talking to rehab people. I mean, he, he would have probably found out everything there is to know in terms of recovering from this injury and then apply it to the process. We're speaking to Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Lions in action tonight in Winnipeg. Final game of the regular season. Moj is on the call. Nathan Rourke is behind center. Uh, real quick look at the playoff picture uh, in the CFL, Moj, because everything's locked in. So Winnipeg and Toronto get the bye to the division finals by way of winning the East and the West. We know that the Lions are going to host the Stamps. I want to look down the road because I think if Rourke comes back and he does look good, we can start looking at this as a bigger Grey Cup preview right from the opening round. How do you see the East shaking out? It's going to be Montreal and Hamilton in the semifinal. Winner plays Toronto, and then, of course, the winner from that goes on to the Grey Cup. How do you see it playing out in the East? You know, in the East, honestly, guys, I think it's a coin flip. I think any of those teams could come out of there. Okay. I mean, Hamilton has been hot, say, the last month or so. They've played some decent football. They've you know, had some impressive wins particularly the one in calgary i mean toronto probably is the best team in the east um but at the same time they're beatable and i look at montreal and there's a team that again you know shows flashes but also has inconsistency as well so in the east i think it's i think it's an open open field in terms of who could come out of there in the west i mean bc and calgary i think are one level and then i think the cream of the, the creme de la creme of the league is winnipeg right yeah. i mean you just look at what they have in terms of personnel and they know how to win, and they, they, you know, the culture that they've established there. But at the same time, I think with Winnipeg, they're due. I mean, it's tough to win championships. Yep. It's tough to win two, never mind three. All you need is a bad break in a game, you know, uh, an unfortunate turnover or a pick six or whatever, and that could be your season, right? So it, it's a fine line, and Winnipeg's always been able to find themselves on the right side of it. You know, with Winnipeg, the one thing that I'm, to be honest, kind of hoping for, and because, again, I want the Lions to get through Calgary at home, and then I want them to go to Winnipeg. By the time Winnipeg plays football again, it will have been a long stretch between the last game of importance that they played. Because these games down the stretch, for the last little while now, have been absolutely meaningless. Then they're going to be on a bye. So I hope that maybe there'll be some complacency. Maybe there'll be some rust. Maybe they will be that they don't remember what it's like to be in a really competitive game for the first little bit. I know I'm grasping at straws here, but they are so good and so dominant. I'm kind of hoping that maybe that'll play a factor uh, when it gets well, time you, to go into Winnipeg. You're making a great point because if you look back at the Western final last year between Saskatchewan and Winnipeg, Caleros is pretty pedestrian, if not yeah, bad yeah, in the first yeah. quarter, right? So you, you're right. I mean – you haven't played a, a meaningful game in over a month. And it, it's just, it's tough to just turn that switch on. I mean, you know, the players can talk about all they want in terms of getting reps and being prepared and getting rested, but you need game reps. As Julio Caravetto always says, nothing ever duplicates game reps. You can do whatever you want in practice, try to duplicate a game situation, but it's still not what you experience in a game. And you're, you're right. I mean, and I think that's one of the things to look at the Western final that could you know, favor the BC Lions or the Calgary Stampeders is the fact that these teams will be coming off a, a pretty intense game the week before, and you've got the Winnipeg Blue Bombers who haven't played a, in a real game in, say, about a month. Uh, Moj, before we let you go, one final question. It is Ask Us Anything Friday. It is Ask Us Anything. It. It's, a, it. it's a football-related Ask Us Anything this time, too. Which quarterback has had the most frustrating season, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, or Russell Wilson? Oh, Russell Wilson for me. Hmm. I mean... You know, it's because of the expectations, right? I mean, there's always expectations with Brady and Rodgers, but, you know, Russell Wilson goes into Denver and it, it's just been, you know, 
subpar, yeah. right? It's been disappointing for Bronco fans. I mean, you know, when you have a home game and the crowd is counting down the clock when you're on offense, I mean, that shows a <laughs> level of frustration with your, with your prized uh, acquisition right off the gate. So, yeah. for me, I think it's the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson. Uh, they are in action this weekend. Note the start time. I believe it's a 631 because it is in London, and it's going to be real interesting to see how Russ and the Broncos do against the Jaguars. Hey, Moj, thanks for doing this today, bud. Enjoy the game tonight. Okay, should be a Have good one. Weekend. Yeah, you too. Thanks, thanks bud. Thanks, Bob, the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford & Bruff Show. A presentation of the Clayton Public House. Uh, you're home for football, and this weekend, there's like no shortage of football to watch. You can go tonight. You can check out the Lions and the Bombers. Full slate Sunday, right, beginning at 6.30 in the morning with the London game running all the way through, right through to the evening game, which is that game aforementioned. Mm-hmm. Packers-Bills game, which I think going into the season, everyone was looking at it and being like, that's one of the best Sunday well, nights. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it might be, right? It might What's be great. What's the line on that one again? Buffalo minus 11. That is crazy. Crazy. Aaron Rodgers, first well, ballot of the first ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks. It's funny. If you look at the slate of later games on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, there's a couple of afternoon games, Rams and 49ers, Seahawks, Giants, and then after that, it's the Bills and the Packers. And of those three, do you think anyone was expecting that Seahawks-Giants would be the one that no. is between the only two winning teams? Yeah, and, and it's got, like, I know Brady Henderson, who we had on from ESPN NFL Nation earlier, talking about the playoff implications. Like, yeah, it's only week eight, but <laughs> yeah. this has huge playoff implications because the Seahawks are tops in the NFC West, mm-hmm. and the Giants have the second-best record in the entire NFC. So before the Seahawks buy... They go the Giants, and then they head down to Arizona, and then they go to Germany to play uh, Dusseldorf, single man Tom Brady, oh. and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You were looking at that game in ahead of the season and going, okay, well the Seahawks are probably going to be pretty significant underdogs in that one, but now not so much. No, if this put it this way, if they can get a win in one of these next two games, if they can win two of three. I'd be pretty happy. No, but if they get going into that game, if they can either beat the Giants or the Cardinals, mm-hmm. maybe in both. But if they get if they are end up going in with a winning record, and Tampa Bay's continu- continues the way that they're going, and I saw no signs that they were ready to break out yesterday. No. They looked terrible again. Um, the Seahawks are going to be favored in that Germany game over Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is a wild thing. Uh, let's do a couple quick ask us anything's and what we learns. Before we go to break, so what we're going to do is we're going to come back. We're going to give you our NFL locks of the week presented by playnow.com. And then we're going to get into the rest of the humanoid, what we learned and ask us anything. So a lot of user-generated content to go here. But we've got a little bit of time before. This one, AUA from Chuck in the Blueberry Fields. What was your guys' favorite place to eat on the road? Not a chain, but somewhere you made sure to go when you were in a certain town. I know exactly how Halford is going to answer this. Really? Yeah. I know what are you exactly. Gonna say? No, I know how you're going to answer it. I, I, I don't know. I can't, can't really think about anything. Well, how I, am I going to answer it, though? I'm fascinated. You're going you're gonna to answer that place in San Francisco. No, I wasn't, but that's a good choice. Yeah, that place no, where uh, we House had the prime rib. Yeah, where we had the dinner with Wish. But I, I don't. And you we, just could not stop talking about how good it was. I'm but, like, yeah, that's prime rib. It's pretty good. It was good, but I've only been there once. That was the only time. That was a special thing. Like this is. But a, that's okay, isn't it? We've gone back to this place, you and I, a couple times. Portillo, what, McDonald's? No, Portillo's in Chicago. Oh, with the hot dogs? Yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's not great food by any stretch, but um, one, Phil Kessel likes them. Very good. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, one great hangover food. 
Two, it's more of a spectacle. It's this big old like Bavarian style house that has yeah. like three stories to and it. And it's so cheap. And it's just chaos. You know, like, should I get four hot dogs? You know what? How about five? It's two dollars more. It's kind of like ordering at a cafeteria, but there's like eight different stations. Yeah. And you don't order combos or meals. Like you were saying, you're like, I will have six hot dogs, and then they just give you six hot dogs. Or I'm gonna have a Chicago wet beef, which is like a sandwich, literally wet beef on a sandwich. Mm, that'd be a better term for it than that. That is the term though. <laughs> And it is it's big and it's greasy and it's stupid and it's oversized and it is American as hell and it is awesome. And I've gone there every time I've gone to Chicago. So there you go. Only place I can think of is Montreal. Schwartz's Deli. Do you go every time? Every time. Every time. Every yeah. time I'm in Montreal. Yeah. You have to. It's Schwartz and Dunn's are the two rival smoked meats. Yeah, isn't Dunn's more of a chain, I thought? I know Schwartz kind of is now, too. But Yeah. Well, I like Filthy McNasty's in Edmonton. I don't know if it still exists, but oh, oh my God. Yeah, that's a deep pool. They had those in Ontario. Their wings were just incredible. Really? Like the best wings I've had I've in I've never life. been to a Filthy McNasty's. Oh, they're so Great good. Great name. <laughs> it's a great name, isn't it? Oh, How's so your good. food? Nasty. Yeah. Just read McNasty. It's not McNasty, though. Yeah. Uh, here's an Ask Us Anything. Can you please mention how the Toronto Maple Leafs did last night? Oh, yeah. The Leafs with another pretty poor effort. They did get a point, but they, <laughs> they lost scratched a point out of San Jose. But they lost in overtime to the San Jose Sharks. I I wonder if something's going to give with Sheldon Keefe. This team just does not seem right, and the Leafs fan base is not happy. They're, They're not happy yeah. with the elite players on the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're not particularly happy with the coach, and they're very uh, unhappy with the general manager Kyle right. Dubas because they're looking at that blue line. You know, I, I know we we complain a lot about the Canucks blue line and rightly so mm-hmm. here in Vancouver. But the difference is that Toronto has the type of team that you know has made the playoffs. Yeah, and you're looking at that defense right now, and you're going, man, this is this is not a good defense. It's funny because every. Um Every Leafs loss right now, aside from the Vegas one, has been amplified because of the way that they've lost it. So, for example, the opener against Montreal, remember they lost it with like 29 seconds left? Josh Anderson scored with 29 seconds left. Yeah, and Keith said it was a sloppy performance, and et cetera. Then they had the loss at home against Arizona, which everyone was like, this is the most embarrassing loss you can have. Called out his top player. And that was the one where Keith called out his players. He said the difference is we have elite players and our players didn't play like elite players and then he I don't know for some reason walked it back the next day because Mitch Marner got all upset and then he walked back the walk back and he walked it on back the media. walk back yeah. so there's two losses in four that are of a note and people are like this is bad then they go to San Jose and I'm not sure everyone understands how bad San Jose is at hockey well they went to Vegas too and didn't play very right well but Vegas. like Vegas you can understand you're on the road East Coast team going west like no one's gonna get up in arms about losing to Vegas even though they didn't play well but San Jose is awful. Who was the player I told you to watch, though, a little while ago? Eric Carlson. And who scored the winner in Eric overtime? Carlson. Did you see him pull away from Tavares on that winner? He's not, they, he's got, nice they were side by side at the mm. at the Toronto or the San Jose blue line. By the time they got to the Toronto blue line, he was like 10 paces in front of Tavares. It so was, did he have momentum or just pulled away? They just pulled away. They were really? both going off at the same time. Really, and it was a really nice goal. It was unbelievable to see him do that to Tavares. So there were. Um, there, so here, the, oh, sorry. Here's, here's a quote from Sheldon Keith. Uh, after the the Sharks game. See, does this seem familiar, by the way? Moving the puck from our defense up to our forwards and getting on the attack, I thought we had a real hard time with that. The Vegas game was similar. So I think our inability to move the puck right now is really slowing us down. It's not a great blue line. 
maybe they'll get Eric Carlson in Toronto because it's not a great blue line, right? Like so, last night, it's it's the same cast of characters, but it's the I think that they have to play like Victor Mete and Rasmus Sandin. And to a lesser degree, Justin Hole. Like, I don't think that they're enamored with playing those yeah. guys. And that's three or six I'm so guys. sick of seeing those guys on uh, show up on Twitter. Like, Justin Hole is trending on Twitter. Or Rasmus yeah. Sandin is trending on Twitter. And you and you get it, Eric Schalgren's in that. The one I saw the other day, it was uh, Tara Hole. <laughs> Tara Hole. <laughs> Tara Hole. <laughs> okay, um, we're going to go to break. We're going to come back. And we're going to be focused, focused, focused. We're going to do our NFL Locks of the Week presented by PlayNow.com. Then we're going to do Humanoid Ask Us Anything and What We Learns to finish off a week. And what a week it's been from the depths of losing to the height of their first win of the season. It's been a very interesting week for the Canucks, and it continues on tonight. Don't forget, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena, Canucks, Penguins, and your very own personalized pregame show with Sat and Dan. Uh, you can watch it on television on Sportsnet Pacific. Lots more to get to. Don't go anywhere. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. West Coast. Coast. <laughs> yeah. Kelowna, baby. Best place in the world right here. Kelowna, Fonda. Kelowna, Fonda. Kelowna, Hey, 32 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Hey, experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of this program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. You can visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are pleased to announce that the lock of the week presented by Play Now Sports is back. It is back, ladies and gentlemen, the official sports betting partner of the Vancouver Canucks. We are back. It is back. Our locks of the week are presented by Play Now Sports. Every game will feel like the big game when you bet with Play Now Sports. Reminder, you must be 19-plus to play. Jason, take it away. My lock of the week is Buffalo minus 11, hosting Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Now, am I somewhat hesitant to give Aaron Rodgers 11 points. Yes. Smart. But consider this. The Buffalo Bills at home don't just win games. They blow teams out. They beat Tennessee 41-7. to They beat Pittsburgh 38-3. to Their last game, they went into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs, and they've just had a bye week to prepare for this primetime game in Buffalo. It's going to be crazy. Bills Mafia is going to be crazy, and the Bills are going to make Aaron Rodgers' season that much worse. Lock it up. Lock it away. All right. I know the numbers on the 49ers-Rams matchup head-to-head. I know the Niners own the Rams. I know that the Rams have a boogaboo with the Niners. I get all that. Doesn't matter. This weekend, the Rams are at home. The Rams are plus one and a half. The Rams are coming off a bye. And this vaunted Niners defense, while good, is extremely banged up. I'm going to buck the trend here. I'm going to say that the Rams finally figure out the Niners, and they will win. Take the Rams, plus one and a half, at home, over the Niners, NFC West action on Sunday. Lock it away. Lock it up. Uh, Okay, so we're through that. Before we go, I need to tell you that goalies don't make every save. I know, laddie. Goalies don't make every save. Players don't score on every shot. So play for fun and not to make money. If you gamble, 
Use your game sense. And a reminder, you must be 19-plus to play. I make every save. That's true. You are a beer league phenomenon. You're the Glenn Hall of beer league. <laughs> I throw up before every game. <laughs> Is that what he did? <laughs> did he do that? Was he, he one of those guys that did that? Yeah, he was very nervous. Okay, um, ask us anything. what we learned. We've got uh, about 20 minutes left, so we've left plenty of time. We're not doing our what we learned. We're not doing anything from this side of the table. We got some it's good all, ones, too. It's all humanoids. It's all humanoids. Ask us anything and what we learned. Go. Print them out. This one is a great question from Chet and Burnaby. Ask us anything. What date do you think the Canucks will have more victories than the Seahawks? Oh, man. Do you have the calendars in front of you? Yeah, okay. it is really difficult because okay. they play such different schedules. The Canucks obviously have more games than the Seahawks. The Canucks are at one win. Yes. The Seahawks are at four wins. Okay. So so here's how the Seahawks schedule goes. They go Giants, Arizona, Tampa Bay, and then it's the bye week, which takes them up to November 27th. So let's say I think we need to we need to bring in like a mark for the Canucks to beat. Let's say six. Let's say they beat the Giants and the Cardinals. Let's be optimistic before they're by. Okay, and the, well, they lose to Tampa Bay. Then let's say they win two of the next two of three. the next three. Two of the next by. three. So we're being optimistic about the Seahawks. So they get to six wins. Yep, that's the so mark. So can the Canucks get to six wins before November twenty seventh? They have like I don't know fifteen games. So they need to win to five get to that fifteen. Feels like it's all over. <laughs> I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna peg it, and I know people. I don't. You guys are so what was that? sure. Say that again. I'm gonna peg Come it. Come again. At, um, I'm actually gonna peg it at November 27th when they go to San Jose. Wow. Okay. That was some really great math. I think that's math. Some science involved in that. Some. Projectory, predictory nature. You did that, like of course, on the fly. yeah. But of course, the Seahawks host Vegas on November twenty-seven, so that could be tough. Listen, I, I'm just looking at the Canucks schedule, and I'm it's a tough schedule, especially for a team that isn't very good and has injury issues. Yeah, Quinn Hughes and Brock Besser are going to be back soon, but that still leaves a problematic blue line. So you got Pittsburgh tonight. Pittsburgh's going to be a pretty heavy favorite in this one, considering. They've been in Vancouver for a few days resting while the Canucks have been slugging it out in Seattle, mm-hmm. desperately getting their first victory. And, they, and they're getting outshot. Like, they're getting outplayed. If Seattle had goaltending last night, it could have been a very different story. New Jersey's in next. New Jersey is a good team. And uh, then like, NHL leading scorer, like, Jesper Bratt. Like, I think they've got a pretty good chance of beating Anaheim on Thursday and a pretty good chance of beating. Nashville on Saturday, but then they head out on the road. Ottawa is playing well. Montreal, Toronto, Boston, Buffalo. Like we're they, they have to find how many wins? Do we did we peg it at? So they got to find so six. But it has yes, they have to be five or there has to be one more than the Seahawks. Correct. It's going to be a tough slog. You know what's going to be interesting to see if the Canucks can match the record that they had last season when Travis Green was fired. Hmm. Six fifteen and two. I, I can't I remember, remember what the think, record was. I had it burned into my memory. I think as we wrote and talked about it so many times. Uh, ask us anything from JD in Coquitlam on the subject of Tom and Giselle calling it quits. JD writes, I'm worried now. If you guys get a divorce, who gets custody of Andy? We've made the decision that Andy will go directly to some sort of orphanage. What? Some home for troubled boys. I haven't 
been a part of this discussion. You're being put out to pasture. We're Andy. actually we're gonna Andy, drink. Andy's gonna be like, please, sir, yeah. may I have some more? We're gonna make you dress like all of us. Orange? Why do I sound like a little English boy? Andy Cole, Andy Cole. Yeah. Never before has a boy wanted more. Yeah. <laughs> There's gonna be musicals based around your plight. Please, sir, my porridge. <laughs> yeah. I need more. You're gonna you're gonna be dressed up like an 1830s orphan. Like, true. You didn't need to dress up like this. True. We would have taken him in. Why do you have an accent? Then you got a job as a chimney sweep. That's right. Andy goes straight to the orphanage, though. Okay, I, great. Yeah. Uh, Brendan and Nanaimo ask us anything. If you guys had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you've ever wanted in one moment, would you capture it? Or just let it slip. Is that Eminem? That's an Eminem it? reference. I mean, I try and capture. Uh, it. I guarantee I have already had that moment, and I have let it slip. <laughs> I think my moment will come, oddly enough, when I am involved in a rap battle, possibly at an underground club, possibly in Detroit. You've well, never been in a rap battle in your life, before? not yet. But you're looking I, forward to it. I'm like rabbit. I just I, I'm, oh, I get nervous. I thought you'd be like Cheddar Bob. And then, you're like Glenn Hall. You got mom spaghetti all over and already. I shot myself in the leg. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would. I uh, very good pull, Thank by you. the way. Yeah, I haven't had the, the courage. It's been too much vomit. Table saw James. What we learned: filthy McNasty is how I describe most of Connor McDavid's goals. Yeah, an, another hat trick for Connor McDavid last oh, huh, night. Eh? It was a wild game against the Chicago Blackhawks. Six-five uh, final for the Oilers. Uh, McDavid is incredible, and he is now tied for the scoring lead in the NHL. Um, Carmine from Poco with an Ask Us Anything. Before you guys became interested in sports media, what did you want to do while growing up? Your first real, I want to be a fill-in-the-blank. Uh, to give you an idea of how myopic and narrow in scope my life is, before I wanted to get into sports media, I wanted to be a Major League Baseball pitcher. That's all I wanted to do. I was so into baseball when I was like seven. What did your parents say about your Major League dreams? Did they encourage them? Mine were like, it is very unlikely. No, they have. <laughs> mine, mine were like almost too uh realistic yeah. it wasn't a house of dreaming no it wasn't a house household. of dreaming they they encouraged it because i think that they thought it was fun. i had a i remember god this is they so were like funny. it's harmless to encourage him yeah he's like you're definitely not gonna do it so <laughs> um so do you remember tom gordon the pitcher for the kansas city royals tom flash gordon right so i was when he burst onto the scene i was like oh that's awesome that's a guy that i like wanted to be mm-hmm. like so we were at knott's berry farm this story is going somewhere and you could get those uh, fake newspapers printed up with a big headline, like, okay, yeah, you know, Dodgers win the pennant, or sure. we win, we win. So I got one, and I think it said like Mike Flash Halford signs with <laughs> Oakland A's. I didn't know that Flash Gordon was a thing. I thought his nickname was Flash because he was a flashy pitcher, right? So like Flash Halford made no sense whatsoever, right? Flash Gordon made sense. So everyone would be like, "Is your nickname Flash? Why was his nickname Flash?" Tom Gore, Flash Gordon. Yeah, but because he was he threw a good fastball. It just was like it just it was, his last name was Gordon. He oh was, right, okay, right. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are we, <laughs> apparently, I had to describe. It, apparently, I had to describe <laughs> I, it to I, Jason I, as I well. I don't like superhero stuff. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> familiar. You never heard of Flash Gordon? Gordon? <laughs> yeah, 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 no, I, I didn't put it together. Flash, <laughs> but but I thought there might have been like some 
also like you can't just pick a like just because your name's Gordon doesn't mean you get to be called Flash. Did he have a good fastball as yeah, well? He was yeah, he threw. Fast. You can't like like if Jimmy Key's last name was Gordon, they couldn't be like, oh, there's Jimmy Flash Gordon, right? Like <laughs> Jimmy Flash with Keith. with a looping curveball, <laughs> yeah. right? Like you can't do no, that. No, that was the thing. But the the Flash nickname was it worked for Tom Gordon. Right. It did not work for Mike. It Halford. worked on a couple different levels. Yes, is what you're getting at. Yeah. Who was uh, here's a, here's an ask us anything that's off the the top of my head. Okay. Um, who was a guy that as a kid, an athlete that you thought was amazing just cause you're a kid and maybe that athlete played for, uh, your favorite team that in hindsight was just kind of like an okay player. So I've got two answers. I know okay. Laddie's, Laddie's like, can't really excited about this, but I actually, well, there's a chance I might steal Laddie's. Okay. First of all, I thought Petru Skrika was amazing Yeah, I remember for the Canucks. You don't remember because no, you know me. I, no, I remember you've said this before. You thought right. it was amazing. And my goalie was Alan Bester with the Toronto Maple Leafs because he used to make these crazy mm. glove hand saves. Yeah. I was like, nobody can do that. And he had the word best in his name, too. Yeah, yeah. So. What's yours? Alan Flash Bester. <laughs> Never forget the Flash. <laughs> you guys have already made fun of mine. I know who it is. Eric Hinsky. Hinsky. Eric Hinsky. That's I loved Eric Hinsky growing up. I was yeah. a lefty batter, third baseman. He was rookie of the year. It turned out he wasn't that good. Yeah, I I had a bunch of guys from the the Oakland teams that I loved. I remember I remember regarding Carney Lansford as being a much much better and much more prolific baseball player than he actually. You have a Lansford was. jersey. Uh, Walt Weiss, because <laughs> they won three rookie of the years in a row. I think it was Walt Weiss, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire. I don't know if it was in that order. And it was always, one of those doesn't belong, right? Uh, and it was always like Walt Weiss. <laughs> what's he doing in there? But I was like, oh, I'm like, he's a solid shortstop. Maybe the lesson is don't fall for rookies of the year. That's yeah, that's been our that downfall. was that was the Oakland A's thing back in the yeah. day. That and steroids. <laughs> Tyler with an ask us anything. Would you rather have to try and tackle an NFL runner running back or be tackled by an NFL linebacker? You must go through the drill. Until you make contact with the opposing player. Probably be tackled. I'd rather be tackled. I feel like you can protect yourself you can a also, little bit more. You can also give up, too. Yeah, That would but, hurt. I don't I mean, want to be I tackled. Th- I know, but if you go... I'd be happy to run after a guy, even though I won't catch him. Uh, right you're now, not running after him. You're not trying to chase him down. He's coming right at you. That's the thing. Oh, right. Okay. If you're not running at him, he's running at you. And you What's have the to least... make contact. That's the... So Tyler clarified, because he knew okay. we were a bunch of cowards that would try and find a way out of this. <laughs> yes. He said, you must go through the drill. Uh, until you make contact with the opposing player. I think I, I still want to be tackled just because I feel like I can make my body just go completely limp. That's weird. I was going to say the exact <laughs> Ruff same would, thing. Yeah. Ruff would pass out before it happens. <laughs> Did that just faint on the field? How are you prepping for this? Holding my breath for as long as possible. Uh, yeah, that's the right answer, though. It's like, how can I make myself ragdoll as much as possible so when I hit the ground... How can I make myself so pathetic yeah. that the NFL that linebacker just, yeah. might take... Take mercy yeah, on that me. guy's body went limp ten seconds before the guy even hit him. <laughs> but it's a uh, fumble. <laughs> it's definitely the right answer, though. Could you imagine trying to tackle like a two hundred and forty-five pound behemoth padded up with a helmet running at you? You have no chance. But you have to go through the drill. Uh, Austin and Langley with a what we learned hashtag WWO what we learned. The only thing worse than the Arizona Coyotes away dressing room is the home dressing room. Okay. I want validation for saying that this place is no better than your common community rink. Oh, it's brutal. It's not- it looked exactly like the Camels Blazers rink that, uh, like, that I would go into to interview the players. The, 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 like that, was a, that was a gem 20 years ago. 
Oh. Gamlips. Oh no, no, it's it's a it's nothing wrong with that arena, but literally as soon as I saw that picture, I'm like, is this a junior locker room? Like first thing I thought of, it looked. The whole is thing. that their permanent one though? Because I can't keep up with like. It doesn't. There's matter. an annex being built. There is an annex. Yes. The home. I was like, what is this? An elementary school? I I, I think I had kindergarten in an annex. The, the home dressing room has like a, a washroom sign on it. Like it's got a men's sign and it's got the handicap sign on it. Like it's a it's a public washroom that they're getting changed in. It's unbelievable that this is happening, and everyone just is kind of like, eh, we'll just, it's funny. We'll go along with it. How long? Before a team has to go there a couple times and like we're not do- like this is ridiculous. They're getting changed. Visiting teams are getting changed behind drapes. Like they may as well get changed at home, right? You should and just, get- just like put have, on skate guards. Have their dra- dads come in and tie their skates. That's or? right. Just well, what would be the in between periods? Why not just stay on the benches? Mm-hmm. Why go into the room? It's just a bunch of drapes, right? Right. It's, I don't get it. I don't get why why it's not more of a this shouldn't be happening thing. Do you know how much media is down there for the first game too? Like everyone's there. I think Wish went there, and like and the NHL has obviously sent out its crew yeah. of, of PR reporters to, to write like <laughs> it's such a fun atmosphere. It's going to be packed. You won't, you won't be able to move in there the first game. They say. The, well, I that, hope it's going to be packed. It should be packed with. <laughs> oh with no! I just mean the dressing co-ends. room. Like after the game, like it's so small. Everyone's going to be tight in. It's gonna there are going to be, really be a strange. lot of reporters there, and and I honestly wonder how the Coyotes players feel about this. Like all of the hockey world's media basically flying into Arizona to, I don't want to say laugh at them, they but probably feel embarrassed. I, I guarantee. I mean, not even kidding. Like they probably guarantee they're like, they really, this is my life. They're, now? Ju- they're yeah. just getting questions about like, you know, and, and you, there, there's some guys that are going to be like, it'll be like my old college days. Yeah, yeah. But like, you're not in college anymore, you're man. You're in athlete, the NHL. Making millions of dollars. Do you know why you played hockey in college? To not play hockey in college anymore and go to the NHL. That's why you did it. I mean, that's why you played junior hockey. Well, the no bunny one, also. Yeah. No one ever wants to go. <laughs> they're always like, I, I, if I could go back to my junior days, I'd be like, you wouldn't go back. You'd stay in the NHL. But it's this is happening. There was a couple of people I saw just completely, just finally were like, I, I don't understand why this is happening and people aren't like, no, this shouldn't happen. It's crazy. but the And I guess it starts at the top. Like, Bettman's so complicit. Not complicit. He's pushing it all along. Who sent me that um, picture on the text thread where it's the Arizona Coyotes saying, please let me die. And then Gary Bettman's like, no, we must keep him alive. <laughs> I, I said that. The, was was it the Kachina Coyote? Was good. Please let me die. Yeah. <laughs> Gary's doing resuscitations on it. Uh, here's an, an interesting one. Is anybody else concerned about the lack of actual NHL defensemen that seem to be capable of playing in the NHL? If you go around the league, it seems like a lot of teams have a serious lack of defensemen, primarily right shot defensemen. What's going on? Is this just me? No, it's not you. It's a it's a tough position, and it's a uh, position that has um, transitioned a lot in the last decade or so in terms of what's needed from that defenseman fast it's got a lot faster you need to have a lot of attributes right you need to be able to go back pick up the puck get your head up and either beat the forecheck with skating or make a good pass Mm -hmm. but at the same time you still need to be able to defend you still need to be able to break up the cycle and it's very rare that you've got a guy that does it all it's a really, really difficult position to play since the, they took the clutching and grabbing yep. out of hockey. Yep. And since the head coaches realized, like, hey, send a really aggressive forecheck. It's basically like if the NFL was like, uh, we're going to take uh, blocking out of the game. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
And uh, well, this and is going to make it harder. And then a lot of the, the the defensive coordinators are like, "Do you think we should blitz more? Like that? You're not allowed. To, the offensive line isn't allowed to block anymore. I feel like we should send some guys. Is this where we send the house? <laughs> right should now? we send the house? Uh, here's what we learned. Unsigned, so it must be from Gary. Hashtag WWL. What we learned. Uh, PD is going to have to drop the gloves with Crosby tonight to get the team going. Okay, maybe Horvat. Um, Horvat tried to fight. Last night he tried to fight, but the um, the Kraken had already lost two defensemen to fight, mm-hmm. and I think he challenged a defenseman, and he was like, we got four guys. It's like beer league. I kind of forgot that the Canucks, so dire were the straits that they needed to do something like this. And then when they started fighting everyone, I was like, oh, yeah. They hadn't done this yet. Because we went through the checklist of all the stuff that desperate teams either go through or have to do. And look, it worked. By the way, someone brought this up when we were talking about it the other day. Remember we talked about the Blues and their practice fight when things were going badly? Um, that was that was after they lost to the Canucks, mm-hmm. 6-1. And Robert Bortuzzo, and I want to say he beat up Zach Sanford in practice and hurt him. He beat up the goalie? No, no, no. Not, not Kurt Sanford. Sanford. Zach Sanford. <laughs> Zach Sanford. Flash Gordon right. over here. Wrong Sanford. Um, <laughs> he beat up and then hurt him and got injured. But then they went on that crazy run and won the Stanley Cup. So, you mean. know, maybe while it wasn't a practice fight yesterday, maybe all the fights that the Canucks had, guys. You promoting violence, Mike? I'm just saying, like, I feel something in special in the air. Boudreaux's handing out baseball bats in the morning in practice. <laughs> okay, boys, I'm not going to encourage this. Pillowcases are a full bunch of, of doorknobs. Yeah. Just, here you Here's go. a sack full of oranges. You got to supply your old knobs. <laughs> <laughs> At the county's rink, you would. We, we can only afford the sack. You can uh, fill it yourself. Jared and Langley uh, um, and Snoop the, and Snoop yeah, the Dog have it. similar questions. I am confused. Aren't there more right-handed people in the world and there is a lack of right-handed defensemen? It's crazy to me. Yeah, because uh, in hockey, um, one of the things they teach, and not everyone does this. I didn't do this, and that's probably probably why I'm not in the NHL. Yeah. Your dominant hand is supposed to be at the top of the right. stick. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's yeah. what they teach kids now. Yeah. So if you're right-handed – you shoot left because your dominant hand is at the top right of the stick. And it's so stick. common. It's such a unique thing with hockey that it's actually carried over to Canadian baseball players where they're, the majority are left-handed batters, which is weird right. for I baseball. I heard about well, this. Golf, yeah. too. Yeah. Golf, too. Yeah, There's and golfers. There's a golfers. ton of uh, yeah. left-handed golfers. It all, it all stems all, from the hockey stick. All the, Cana- all the golf companies in the world is like, why are we st- uh, like yeah. producing so many left-handed golf clubs for as this a, country? As a right-handed person that does everything else lefty in sports, it, I'm right there so, with so it. So what, like, I'm right in everything i'm right in golf I, i'm right-handed i shoot right i hit right see i'm left-handed I was, and i shoot right i'm a left-handed writer but oh. i shoot right in hockey so you should have been in the nhl because i that's, missed that's, my calling you missed your calling yeah jared and langley this is on the subject of the coyotes guys are getting paid millions they can deal with a public bathroom to change in a few games a year if anything it's nostalgic that's not the point man like i want to get this across it's not the point. The point is, is that if you have a standard, then there's a standard. If you have rules, then there's rules. If there's a minimum to be held, if there's a minimum threshold, then it's a minimum. And if there's not, then there's no point in having any of it. You can't have a league where 31 of 32 teams have a certain level of expectation and accommodation and everything, and then one team where it falls woefully short. And not, it, yeah, not just a little bit short, woefully short. Because then it's like, what's the point of having a standard? And, and this, this is a franchise all... that's been around a long time. Like yes. we've seen, uh, we've seen franchises come into the league and play in some 
smaller arenas because they had plans to build a new arena. You cannot forget that the Coyotes still don't have shovels in the ground for a new real arena. Like here's here's the thing: the Coyotes can't go to the NHL and say we'd like to operate below the salary cap floor because we're having a tough time. That's not allowed. And they'll be like, well, why do you get to do something that the rest of the league, that we hold them to a certain standard, you mm-hmm. get to fall below that because you're in a bad bad way. Right. And that's exactly what the arena situation is. Because you've been in this this market for how long now? It's been a while. Like, it's not okay. And I understand that these guys get paid millions and millions and millions of dollars and they can act like uh, local rec players. But if you're going to have a standard and you're going to have a rule, you got to uphold it. Otherwise, there's no point in having it. And I'll end it with that. You guys got anything else you want to say before we get out of here for the weekend? Let's hope Nathan Rourke looks good. Very okay. excited for Halloween. Yes. Monday. Monday's going to be Halloween. Great. A-Dog is going to take this more seriously than he's ever taken anything in his entire life. We will life. be streaming, so I really hope you guys dress up. Oh, yeah, right. Pressure's on. Okay. We got a lot to get to on this weekend, but now we got to get out of here. So thank you all for listening this week. The Canucks got a win. It was a good week. Signing off uh, for today, but we will be back on Monday. I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. If you guys had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you've ever wanted in one moment, would you capture it or just let it slip?